Women Who Rock. Women Who Rock. Women Rock. Women Who Rock. Women Who Rock. Women Who Rock. Women Who Rock. This is Women Who Rock a podcast promoting Australian female musicians and artists. Joining me today is Hannah from folk rock outfit Harley Mavis. Hannah, thanks for joining me for a chat. Thanks for having me. A few weeks ago, you played at an event called Women in Music Empowerment Day. Yes. There were loads of awesome acts and there was also kind of, I think, like a panel discussion as well. Yes. How was that experience? Yeah, it was great. It was really interesting to hear um, perspectives on how to sort of um, get acknowledgement in the um, music scene and how to um, really promote yourself as a female and non-binary musician. And I think that was really worthwhile for a lot of um, musicians and a lot of just the community to listen to. Was that one of the main, so in the panel discussion, was that kind of the key focus, trying to, as like a, a female presenter or producer, trying to promote yourself? Um, it was one of the um, panels. I wasn't there for the ones before then, so I only caught the last little bit of the oh, panel. Right. Okay. But yeah, it was definitely like one of the ones that it was sort of talking about, like how to promote yourself and how to um, stay true to yourself as an artist when there's other thing, other people sort of putting their inputs in and yeah, sort of staying true and how to navigate yourself through the music industry. Cool. So it was a really good vibe there. Yeah, the it was. Day. It was really nice. You also, on a very different note, <laughs> I was gonna. I wanted to say I saw a photo of you. You played at your parents' wedding. I did, and that is actually why I didn't get to see most of the panels because we came back from my parents' wedding on that day. Oh, but, right. um, okay. So it was a big weekend. I'm glad I put those questions together. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, we did. I did play at my parents' wedding. Two of my very good friends, one of which plays. Uh, lead guitar in Holly Mavis and my other really good friend who's in a awesome band called Clues. So we went and played music at mum's wedding and um, yeah, it was lots of fun. Was that kind of, it's very different to playing a normal gig. Yeah. More emotional, I guess. Yeah, it was pretty, yeah, it was pretty a bit emotional. I feel like a few tears were shed, but um, yeah, it was so nice. It was more like, um, we had the mandolin out and we had the acoustic guitars and we had nice harmonies. So it was very like, very wholesome and very like folky country almost. Okay. What kind of tunes were you playing with a mandolin at a wedding? Um, well, I used to actually play with mandolin quite a lot. So we used to um, play with like all my old songs, all my songs that I still play now, but my songs, how I had arranged them with mandolin and um, acoustic guitar. My mum had sort of given me a list of all of the songs she had requested to play, which was okay. majority of them were my songs, which was oh, really funny. That's really special, <laughs> It's really sweet, yeah. yeah. So we played a lot of that, and then I think we threw in Had I Known You Better Then, which is like an old country song from the early 2000s or late 90s, so... Yeah, it was, it was really nice. So those are pre-Harley Mavis songs? Yeah. I mean, a few of them I do play in my shows now, but um, a lot of them were like pre 
Harley Mavis. Yeah. Do you so do you have you ever played an electric mandolin or you have an acoustic one? Um oh I don't play mandolin, sorry. It's oh, my okay. um my guitarist who plays mandolin okay. and then I just play play an old guitar. <laughs> okay. I really want to get an electric mandolin. Yeah, he's got something that he has rigged up on his mandolin that you can plug something into. But it's sort of like a little DI that he's yeah, it's pretty awesome. Okay. Great for country music. But also, yeah, I saw this uh, performer called Rainwolf. He was playing an electric mandolin. Amazing. But through this, like, crazy octave fuzz pedal setup for, oh, like, heavy cool. blues rock. Yeah, nice. Taking it out of its natural environment, I think. Yeah. And that's really cool. Yeah, totally. That's so interesting. I can't believe how well everything links together. Yes. Because, <laughs> so, as Harley Mavis, mm-hmm. you've released one single, I think, in July. Yes. Called yep. No Chance. Yes. When I was listening to it, definitely, I was getting folk rock. Mm-hmm. But I also, and I totally have this written down, um, I was picking up Flavors of Country as well. Yeah, that's interesting you say that. <laughs> You're combining those two different worlds? You know, I've never thought that I've played country music ever in my life, but I think a lot of people are sort of getting little tastes of it through um, the mu- through No Chance, which has been really interesting and quite cool to sort of think about your music in that sort of genre. Mm. Um, but yeah, I guess I used to, before I started Harley Mavis, I used to play just as like a folk singer. So I think country and folk sort of have a very like fine line and you sort of can dabble between the two. So You're storytelling. Yeah. But with slightly different instruments. Yeah, yeah. And levels of sadness, I guess. Yeah. Well, and sometimes not as corny. <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe I just kind of came back from Nashville. So maybe yeah. my ears are very sensitive to country storytelling. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hot and heavy was the night No resolution for the day so, yeah, the track, we'll have a listen to it in a, in a minute. That was the first single. It was called No Chance. Yes. Was that one recorded as kind of a one-off, or do you have a series of tracks that will be released in the future? So it was recorded with the single that I just brought out, Magnolia, and um, I sort of went in there. We recorded it, the two tracks in a day, and um, we did a whole band recording, so it was just all of us playing instruments at the same time, and then we sort of overdubbed the vocals and overdubbed the lead guitar part. But, um, yeah, it was sort of something that I went in wanting to do two tracks, so I had something to sort of release straight after my first track. Did you do all of the vocals on the same day as well? Um, or that yes, I did do the Yeah, I did do the vocals on the same day, and then I, we did the lead guitar parts than like a, a week or two later. Okay. Yeah. That's an impressive, aggressive schedule. <laughs> yeah, but it was so much fun. It was actually, it went by so fast because when you play it all as a band, all in, all in one sort of room, you ju- it's just like playing a show, but you have to make sure that you get it right and like <laughs> you're not um, out of time. But yeah, it was, it, 
was so much fun and I think it was one of the best sort of experiences I've had as like recording music, doing it like that. Yeah, it's a different world to trying to, you know, we're doing the drums today, doing the guitar tomorrow. Yeah. It's more like, I think I've said it before as well, it's like you're capturing not just a song but like a moment in time. Yeah, it just sort of lends itself to be more organic and... I mean, you, it's a bit rough around the edges, but I think that's sort of the charm with a lot of things mm. like that. So I was super happy with it. And um, Simon, who did the um, producing and mixing, and he also mastered it, he was just a dream to work with. So I was very happy. Great. Well, yeah, the track that came out last week was called Magnolia. But what I'd like to do now is we're going to have a listen to the one from July. Uh, It is called No Chance. Let's have a listen to that now. I didn't take the time to make sure you were mine. I kept thinking I had time. And though The sweetest thing that I had ever heard And I'll tell the things that I wanted to say And make a plan to give to you in a poetic way And I should have known better Than to rip up the pieces To rip up the pieces of my love 
song we just heard was called No Chance by Harley Mavis. The video for that is rad. Thank it, you. I think it's one of the first paint-based videos that I've seen. And story about me, I used to work at Bunnings and I used to like <laughs> mix paint all Saturday morning. Amazing. That was like my job. So that brought back high school memories in a w- well, sort of. <laughs> is it a good thing that you remembered that or was it a bit? I guess so. Um, but I didn't get as much paint on me as is in the video. Yes. Can you tell us a bit about what happens in the video and kind of the, the process of making that? Yeah. So um, it was uh, filmed and directed by um, Zeke Collins and Olivia Costa. And they sort of just came up with the concept of um, kind of having these two bodies that are embraced, but you don't realise that they're actual bodies and you don't realise what it is at all until the very end where you say it's actually two people. Um, so, yeah, that we sort of – I went in not really understanding how it was going to look because it was very much like a post-production sort of that's how it was all going to come together. So on the day we had – we dripped like proper house paint onto our bodies and made it look like there was no bodies there and – I don't think I'm explaining this very well, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's basically like a series of people kind of moving. Yeah, well, it was two. It was two people. Um, I think we used. I think there are two different, four different bodies or something, b- between all of the legs and the arms and the boobs and everything. But um, yeah, it was lots of house paint, and it took so long to get off my body. I was going to say, oh man. <laughs> it went all over my face. So is it just like normal house paint? Yeah, it was normal house paint. Is that bad for your health? I hope not. <laughs> but I mean, it was worth it. <laughs> it was cool. worth it in the end. Yeah. Art requires sacrifice. Sacrifice, yeah. That's yeah. what so music you shoot, is. You shoot, you shoot that all in one day? Yes, we shot it all in... Oh. Yeah, we shot the majority of it and then we came back and did some um like the light like the singing to camera shots um a few months later. But yeah, most of it the large yeah, ninety percent of it was all done um on the one day. Cool. I'm one hundred percent gonna put a link up so everyone listening can go ahead and watch yes. that awesome paint based video. We were talking a little bit off air before. You have an interesting kind of insight, I guess, that maybe a lot of people don't, because you, you were working at APRA for a while. I was, yes. What did you learn when you were there? Um, I learned a lot about, like, the music industry and um, a sense of its royalties and um, how people get paid and the licensing involved and everything. So it was just a really good insight into, like, the background knowledge of the music industry. So, yeah, it was really worthwhile. Did seeing how all the gears fit together, does it zap some of the fun of making music, understanding the mechanics behind what happens once you kind of release it to the world? Um, uh, you know, I don't think so. I think for me it was really like a, oh, wow, like that's how that works. Like now I can sort of do something in this way to achieve that goal. So I can sort of, yeah, I was able to sort of, learn a lot and like learn a lot of like valuable skills to better my music and to be yeah better at being an independent musician so from that do you have could you boil it down to one piece of advice I think the biggest advice would be just to know like know your rights as a musician and to 
really know like where your music, where your royalties can be made in your music. And I think particularly, I think the biggest one is not enough musicians know about the live performance returns and how you can get money from playing publicly. And so just to make sure that you're always in the loop with all the APRA emails and to get on top of it when those live performance returns are um, due, because I know for me that that's a huge sum of money that really helps my music for the whole entire year. So, I bet there's a lot of people that don't know about all the processes to do that as well. N- yeah, well, it's super simple. Um, APRA's got a great website, so you can go on and you can um, you have your own member portal, and you can go on and submit all your or submit all your live performance returns. You can see your royalty statements. You can see pretty much everything that you want to see. So, yeah, just to be active and looking at those sorts of things, and yeah. Well, speaking of live music, you played what will have been a gig last week. You've just released a single as well. Yeah. What does the end of 2018 look for? Look like for Harley Mavis? I'm doing a little bit of a tour. I'm going on tour with a band called Ivy. So um, I'm playing my first sh- proper show in Melbourne, which is really exciting. Oh, cool. So we're um, road tripping down. Which nice. <laughs> And yeah, I guess the end of the year is just I'm doing quite a few shows. I'm doing a um, a single launch at the Marley Bar, the Marlborough Hotel, on the fifteenth of November. So okay. that one's going to be really huge. Um, so get along to that one. That one's free as well. And um, yeah, just lots of shows, and then welcoming in the new year with some new music. Yeah, great. Okay, so yeah, lots of singles and new music on the way. Sounds like things are going pretty well. Yeah. It is time for Tell Me a Thing, the segment where I give you a list of seven topics and I ask you to tell me something interesting or cool. The topics are musical equipment, recording equipment, Patti Smith, punk rock, poetry, politics, and death. Hannah, can you please tell me a thing? I'm choosing the poetry uh, subject. Thank you. So when I was in primary school, I was a part of this thing called the Norval Quills, which was my primary school was called Norval. And basically it was like just this like poetry writing, short story writing club. And they used to run like heaps of short story competitions and everything. And I, of course, submitted a number of stories to those competitions and I did win. So I used to be, and then I used to be like the head of the Norval Quills. So the poetry and short story writing group at primary school so I was definitely the coolest kid in year seven the coolest 10 year old <laughs> yeah running around yes yeah, <laughs> coolest coolest I think I was 11 or 12 yeah I was was pretty up there with the popular kids <laughs> sitting at the library writing poems <laughs> yeah. yeah it wasn't even um in lunchtime it was like an after school thing as well oh, right. <laughs> so it was like like an hour after school on extracurricular a poetry <laughs> as a 10 year old right on I love the name yeah, it was great. Norville Quills. There's was, something satisfying about saying that. It was awesome. <laughs> it was actually a really fun, yeah, it was a really fun little thing to do. And the teachers that ran it were like insane. They were so good at writing. So, yeah. The next obvious question is, did you keep the poetry? No, uh, no, I didn't keep the poetry, but I think I have, I think I have 
the short stories that won the competitions somewhere in my archives. I think my mum must have them, but they're pretty cringe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're pretty great. That's interesting. When I was like 10, I submitted, I think they have in primary schools, they used to have this like book that was published every year. Oh, yeah, yeah. Your eyes lit up when you yeah, said that. Did you do that as well? No. Because um, I totally did that. I Maybe I did do that, but my nephew just got his little story or poem published in it for like the last <laughs> year, so I've heard all about it. Oh, that's yeah. cool. <laughs> I think my mum still has like the big book at home. Yes, that's so good. <laughs> I think that the story is objectively awful, but it was... Do you know what it's about? <laughs> yes, I do, but it's very embarrassing. So it's actually about radio. Oh, nice. So that was foreshadowing, foreshadowing I guess, in a way sure. that I didn't yeah, realise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hannah, thank you so much for coming on Women Who Rock and having a chat to me today. Thank you so much, Matt. And I should have known better than to rip up the pieces of Rock is proudly produced in the Sydney studios of 2SER 107.3.